0: Tell me, Brad, what are we going to do? Uh, we won the election, and it's not fair to take it away from us like this.
1: Well, thanks for asking, Mr. President. I think you're going to jail. What Brad Rappensburger is doing, well... Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's another question.
0: I got the feeling that something right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs to the left me jokers to the right here I am stuck in the middle with you
1: yep. from Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles this is the Bradcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA also in Red Bluff and Redding California on KFOI Round Mountains KKRN and Eureka's KGOE in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ Cottage Grove's Queso Eugene's KEPW In Lancaster, Pennsylvania, on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN. In Palinville, New York, on WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ. Down in New Orleans, on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico, on KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN. Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ. In Seattle, on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR. And Minneapolis, St. Paul's, AM 950, KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day on the internets on the Progressive Voices channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, Detour Talk, and all your favorite podcast sites except for Spotify, Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman. Your friendly, investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. I had planned to share some results from Tuesday's elections in several states, including Virginia, Arkansas, Alabama, Georgia, and uh, Washington, D.C. today. But to be honest... They weren't all that interesting uh, or they're being fairly well covered elsewhere. And some late breaking news is frankly much more interesting to me today uh, that I want to try to get to before a really important interview with my guest today regarding an apparent cover up in the great state of Georgia. Yes, seemingly to help Donald Trump supporters by, yes, one of the supposed heroes from Tuesday's House January 6th committee. Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, who, if you have followed the broadcast for any number of years at all, well before the 2020 presidential election, you may already know, is not actually a hero at all.
2: <laughs> True.
1: Says me. Hi, Desi Doyan.
2: Hi. Although we are glad that he did, and when it came down to it, finally the rubber met the road, he did one thing. One thing that was the right thing.
1: He did the right thing, but as my guest may tell us shortly, for the wrong reasons. (laughs) Uh, And he didn't do it very well either. And, uh, well, uh, you know, one of the elections on Tuesday was a runoff in the Democratic primary for Secretary of State in Georgia for the person now set to run against Raffensperger in uh, this November Uh, That would be Georgia State Rep. B. Wynn, who, if she wins, would be the first Asian American elected to statewide office in Georgia. I will ask my guest about her as well. And if she has any chance of defeating Raffensperger in November, particularly after information about what appears to be a cover up being carried out by Brad Raffensperger comes to light in the great state of Georgia, which we. Hope to sort of help along a little bit today. Uh, but first, just in late today from Washington Post following Tuesday's House J6 hearing uh, focused in part on Donald Trump's attempted use of fake electors to try and steal the 2020 election from the American people. The Post reports the Justice Department's investigation of the January six attack ratcheted up on Wednesday as federal agents dropped subpoenas on people in at least two states in what appeared to be a widening probe of how political activists supporting Donald Trump tried to use invalid electors to thwart Joe Biden's 2020 electoral victory. In other words, how they tried to use fake electors to steal steal the 2020 election. (laughs) Agents conducted Court authorized law enforcement activity on Wednesday morning at two locations, FBI officials confirmed to the Post. One was the home of Brad Carver, a Georgia lawyer who allegedly signed a document claiming to be a Trump elector. He is not the only Brad in Georgia that we're going to be talking about today. A lot of Brad's on today's broadcast Seems fair, after all. Uh, the other was the Virginia home of thomas lane who worked on the trump campaign's efforts in arizona and new mexico separately the paper reports at least some of the would-be electors in michigan also received subpoenas on wednesday the precise nature of the information being sought by the department of justice was not immediately clear however arizona and georgia officials testified tuesday to a house panel probing the january 6 attacks about attempts by Trump and his inner circle of advisors to try to reverse Biden's Electoral College <laughs> victories in those states. Post means to try and steal Biden's Electoral College victory in those states. Why they won't use that word is beyond me. Officials have previously agreed that the Justice Department and FBI were examining the issue of false electors who Trump and others hoped might be approved by state legislators in a last-ditch bid to... Keep Trump in the White House.
2: (laughs) I almost said it. So
1: close, so (laughs) close. Until now, however, those uh, investigative efforts seem to primarily involve uh, talking to people in Republican circles who knew of the scheme and objected to it. The subpoenas issued on Wednesday suggest the DOJ is now moving to uh, question at least some of those who allegedly agreed to pursue that effort. The new investigative moves by the DOJ come amid a series of high profile congressional hearings examining not just the riot at the Capitol, but also Trump's efforts to undo Biden's Electoral College victory. Undo. That's a new one. Well done, (laughs) Washington Post. You know, undo. He was just trying to undo it. That's very simple. Totally normal. Uh, to undo Biden's electoral college victory They're
2: really wearing out the thesaurus on this one They
1: really are uh, through the use of fake electors lobbying the Justice Department and false claims of massive voter fraud Lawmakers on the House Select Committee will hold a hearing on Thursday featuring testimony from former Justice Department officials. We will, of course, cover that hearing in special coverage on our next broadcast, at least as best as possible. The committee has moved the uh, th- that hearing on Thursday up to 3 p.m. Eastern Time as their start. So we may need to go on air before the hearing is over.
2: But we'll do our best to cover what we can.
1: We will. We'll see how that goes. (laughs) Uh, On Wednesday, the Post reported, uh, and this is new, the Post reported an uptick in the number of violent threats against lawmakers serving on that panel with three people. Involved in the January 6th probe, saying committee members are are all likely to receive a security detail mm. at this point.
2: That is serious. Uh,
1: that is very serious, and that comes after uh, you know Tuesday's hearings uh, detailed one case after another of Trump's mob of thugs threatening. Uh, all sorts of election officials, state lawmakers, many of them Republicans, for simply doing their jobs. Now, Fox News, of course, has been pretty much around the clock these days, uh, trying to avoid the January 6 hearings by, uh, you know, being concerned uh, with protests outside Supreme Court justices' houses, which is fine. But it would be nice if they gave any kind of a damn about all of these continuing threats, hundreds, thousands of them against election officials and state lawmakers who did their job after 2020 and, you know, members of Congress who right now are trying to do their job. So if nothing else, the committee does seem to be hitting a nerve or two. That's good. Let's see if we can hit a nerve or two with my guest uh, in a moment regarding not only some of the testimony by Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger on Tuesday, but on what now appears to be a pretty clear cover up by Brad Raffensperger of some seemingly very illegal activity in the state by Trump supporters just after the January 6 insurrection. Yes, the so-called hero Raffensperger. Uh, who refused to help Trump steal the election by flipping the results in Georgia, also now seems to be involved in making it easier to steal the next election in Georgia, believe it or not. evidence for that coming up momentarily, the uh, hearings on Capitol Hill, the Post reports have increased public pressure on the Justice Department to take more aggressive and overt moves to investigate Trump and those close to him for their roles in the run-up to January 6th. Not a moment too soon, I would add. They note that more than 820 individuals have now been Already charged by the DOJ for their roles in the January 6 attack, making it the largest investigation in the department's history. Hundreds more individuals are being sought, but Democrats and some lawyers have argued that the Justice Department should be moving faster to investigate higher level organizers and political operatives, given the seriousness of the threat posed to Democratic institutions. Earlier this year, they note prosecutors significantly expanded their investigation by issuing subpoenas to those involved in the preparations for the rally that preceded the riot. Now they're looking at the fake electors and they want all documentation from them about communications they have may- They may have had with roughly a dozen people in Trump's inner circle, including Rudy Giuliani, Bernie Carrick, Boris Epstein, Jenna Ellis and John Eastman. So uh, this seems to be in response to the committee's work, public pressure. Works. House committee hearings, when done right, and these certainly seem to be done right, uh, they work to bring pressure for accountability. And perhaps even talk radio works to help expose wrongdoing that desperately needs attention from law enforcement officials and from the corporate media. In the cover up that we're going to talk about next in Georgia, the corporate media. At, uh, at, at the Post and the Daily Beast and the AP has actually done a pretty good job. But the Georgia media, where this corruption appears to be taking place? Well, not so much. So let's see if we can help them. Marilyn Marks of the Coalition of Good Governance, which has not one but two critical federal lawsuits underway against Georgia and its Secretary of State, Brad Raffensberger. Joins us next on the broadcast with a rebuttal to Raffensberger's recount testimony in the House on Tuesday and new details on what I believe we now need to call the Coffee County cover up. That's straight ahead on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman.
2: Hey, this is Desi. The Bradcast and the Green News Report survive thanks to you and your support. Please drop by bradblog.com slash donate today to help us stay independent every day over your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com slash donate, and thanks.
0: I just want to find uh,
1: 11,780 votes which is one more than we
0: have. And there's nothing wrong with saying that, you know, that you've recalculated. And even if you cut them in half, cut them in half, and cut them in half again, it's more votes than we need.
3: Mr. Secretary, is there any way that you could have lawfully changed the result in the state of Georgia and somehow explained it away as a recalculation?
4: No, the numbers are the numbers. The numbers don't lie. You know
1: No, the numbers don't lie. But did Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger do so during his testimony to the bipartisan U.S. House Select Committee investigating the January 6th insurrection and all of Donald Trump's many attempts to steal the 2020 presidential election? On Tuesday, if he didn't lie, did he at least play fast and loose with Georgia's numbers, specifically in its three different counts of the state's 2020 results? Welcome back to the broadcast, Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. As we promised during our special coverage on our previous broadcast of day four of the House Committee's public hearings, we would have a bit of a rebuttal to what is Being too easily painted as heroic spy Georgia's secretary of state to face down Trump's relentless demands that he, quote, find the 11,780 votes that would be needed to flip the results in the peach state from its apparent rightful winner, Joe Biden, to the loser, Donald Trump. Raffensberger and his chief deputy, Gabe Sterling, testified about their refusal to help Trump steal the election, despite repeated pleas and even threats on that infamous 67 minute recorded phone call between Trump and the secretary of state among the uh, defense's. Uh, of the Secretary of State uh, it, it was that results in Georgia were tallied three separate times. The first time by the original m- machine count of the unverifiable votes that were cast at the polling place on Raffensburger's hand-selected touchscreen voting systems, along with the hand-marked absentee paper ballots. The second count was by a statewide so-called hand-audit of all the ballots that were cast in the state. And then again, a third Time In an official recount requested by the Trump campaign after the results of the first two tallies, both showed a very narrow win by Joe Biden of just under 12,000 votes over Trump out of some five million ballots that were cast. That tally was again conducted that recount on the state's optical scan computers. The Republican secretary of state who defied Trump and, importantly, is himself up for reelection this November on the very same voting systems that he forced on all counties in the state and which, unlike any other state in the union, are all programmed by the secretary of state's office. Well, he explained the uh, three different counts to the House committee, uh, to the uh, questioner, Democratic Congressman Adam Schiff on
4: Tuesday.
3: Secretary Raffensperger, did Joe Biden win the 2020 presidential election in Georgia, and by what margin?
4: Uh, President Biden carried the state of Georgia by approximately 12,000 votes. And, Mr. Secretary,
3: as I understand it, your office took several steps to ensure the accuracy of the vote count in Georgia, reviewing the vote count in at least three different ways. These steps included a machine recount, a forensic audit and a full hand recount of every one of the five million ballots cast. Did these efforts, including a recount of literally every ballot cast in the state of Georgia, confirm the result?
4: Yes, they did. We counted the ballots where the first tabulation would be scanned. Then when we did our 100% hand audit of the entire, all five million ballots in the state of Georgia, all cast in place, all absentee ballots, they were all hand recounted, and they came remarkably close to the first count. And then upon the election being certified, President Trump, because he was in within a half percent, <clears throat> excuse me, could ask for a recount. And then we recounted him again through the scanners and we got remarkably the same count. Three counts, all remarkably close, which showed that President Trump did come up short.
1: So that has been the story of Georgia's 2020 election results, when for the first time in many years, the state chose a Democrat over the Republican in their presidential contest. Raffensperger's heroically uh, stood up to Trump. And Biden narrowly won the state, as confirmed by several different tallies. That's been the story. But is there more to that story? One of our frequent guests on this program, Marilyn Marks, is suing the secretary of state in two different lawsuits, one to get rid of the state's new 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen voting systems and another which, by way of full disclosure, I am a named plaintiff in representing the media challenging the state's SB 202 uh, voter suppression law, which, among other things, makes it unlawful to hand out food or water to voters standing online. line. But also, the reason I'm involved, it makes it a crime to photograph inside of polling places or report problems during the ballot counting process to the media. Writing at Medium this week, Marx wrote... Raffensperger has emerged as an unexpected hero to some after resisting Donald Trump's efforts to overturn the 2020 election. But to many of us who are fighting to protect the security and legitimacy of Georgia's elections, that praise is undeserved. And the narrative that Raffensberger is a fierce defender of democracy rings hollow. Now Marilyn has been telling me for months now that yes, there is much more to the story of Raffensperger's so-called hand audit, 100 percent hand audit. You heard him describe there, used to defend the 2020 count. And more recently, she's also detailed a rather amazing story of some MAGA Trump supporters in cahoots with Republican election officials in Coffee County, Georgia, who appear to have facilitated the secret theft in the county of the state's voting system software made by Dominion not long after the January 6th insurrection. It's a fascinating story covered in some detail recently by Washington Post, Daily Beast, AP, and yes, here on the broadcast, though interestingly, not by Georgia's own major media outlets as far as I can tell. But it's been a fascinating story uh, for which Marilyn has presented hard evidence in her lawsuit to ban the state's touchscreen voting systems and which, since we most recently discussed this matter with her several weeks ago, now appears to involve an actual cover up by guess who? Georgia's Republican Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger. Sounds like we got a few things to catch up on with Marilyn Marks. She is, of course, the longtime expert advocate for free and fair elections as executive director of Coalition for Good Governance org, a nonpartisan nonprofit organization whose longtime lawsuit against the uh, the state of Georgia, filed way back in 2017, has already resulted in a federal court permanently banning the state's previously unverifiable touchscreen systems made by Diebold, only to see them replaced by Raffensberger's own selection in defiance of voting system and cybersecurity experts, by the way, of new unverifiable touchscreen systems made by Dominion Voting. Marilyn Marks, welcome back to the broadcast.
0: Thank you so much, Brad. I'm so happy to be back.
1: Uh, now, before we get to the uh, to an update on what I think is fair to describe as Raffensperger's Coffee County cover up, uh, and I also want to get your thoughts on the Democratic candidate running against him this November. She won her election, her runoff election on Tuesday. Uh, right. I know you wanted to rebut a thing or two in Raffensperger's testimony before the January 6th committee, and uh, just to set the table a little bit more, here was his deputy secretary of state. Uh, Gabe Sterling, who served as the state's voting systems manager back in 2020, he also testified on Tuesday before the panel describing those three separate counts of Georgia's 2020 presidential election results.
3: And by doing the hand tally, we saw two specific numbers that were met. The hand tally got us to a 0.1053 percent off of the total votes cast and 0.0099 percent on the margin, which is essentially dead on accurate. Um, Most academic studies say on a hand tally you'll have between one and two percent, but because we use ballot marking devices where it's very clear what the voter intended, it made it a lot easier for us to conduct that hand count and show that none of that was true.
1: Okay, a lot to unpack there, a lot of numbers there, but essentially Sterling was saying that the hand count audit... Uh, and the subsequent machine-tallied recount were very, very, very close to the originally reported numbers. Everything is just fine. I- is he and Raffensberger wrong about any of that?
0: Oh, Brad, they are so wrong about that. <laughs> you know. Now, I need to say, as you've heard me say so many times before, uh-huh. we have found nothing that would suggest that um, Biden should not have been declared the winner. However there are massive problems in the audit and in the recount and probably the original count as well and what really happened here it appears Mm -hmm. is that the audit as well as the machine recount were fudged, if you will um... that may be a strong word for me to be using right now Mm -hmm. but i will just say that um... The numbers are not straightforward at all. That um, there are many adjustments that they needed to make to try to arrive at claiming that the numbers matched the original counts. They do not, and unfortunately, and you were mentioning our local press in Georgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, the press has just not been willing to look at look behind Raffensperger's and and um sterling's claims they have not been willing to say oh okay you say this number matched show me um and and i just want to call out how dangerous it is to let anyone whether it's trump Mm -hmm. or raffensperger or democratic fulton county's uh, election board Mm -hmm. announce what results are without the ability for the citizens and the press to prove it, the well, evidence-based elections that actually prove it—that it now, But its shocking to see the kinds of errors and discrepancies that are embedded in the audit and in and in the machine count. And I'll just say one more word about this in, in following up. Even uh-huh. Governor Kemp, uh, Republican Governor Kemp, uh-huh. who received a complaint—a a very valid complaint—about um, Fulton County's audit off by being off by thousands of votes, he had his staff spend weeks looking at that hand count audit just Mm -hmm. in one county. And he said it was an absolute shame and sloppy and um, needed to be revisited. And we just couldn't um, tolerate this kind of sloppiness. He, He really discredited the audit. We didn't hear that yesterday in Raffensperger's and Sterling's
1: testimony. Well, when uh, it's a very serious uh, charge, obviously you're saying that uh, fudged that the uh, both the audit and then the uh, official recount machine recount were fudged. Uh, That sounds corrupt. Uh, So first, uh, how do you know that those numbers were fudged, and how do you know therefore that Trump did not win in the state of Georgia? You said that uh, you 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 found no reason to believe that, but how do you know?
0: Well. the best we have seen, and I, when I say fudged, I guess what i what I mean by that I'm not saying that somebody actually flipped the result or mm-hmm. falsified you know uh, uh, changing a Trump win to a Biden win, not mm-hmm. that at all. I'm saying um, making convenient oversights to make numbers balance when they should um, when they didn't balance. Mm-hmm. So how do we know? okay, we have spent. Hundreds of hours going through the uh, underlying ballot images, the worksheets from the audits, and um, as did Governor Kemp's mm-hmm. staff. Of course, now, you, we had no relationship to that. You, and you, what you, you said, when you say when you say we,
1: it, you're talking about Coalition for Good Governance as part correct. of your lawsuit uh, against the machines. Correct. Okay. Yeah.
0: And I, I urge you to look at Dr. Philip Stark. Who you frequently have as a guest? Mm-hmm. Look at his expert opinion rendered to the court. It is in the public docket, um, and and he takes Raffensperger's public statements apart from not from yesterday, but from some time ago, mm-hmm. saying no, this was not a legitimate audit in any way, and no, it did not prove what Raffensperger claims. And he shows the serious. Um, counting problems and auditing problems that took place and it comes to the conclusion that it is impossible to know who won in georgia what? now we what? had lots of offsetting errors and again we found nothing to say that oh they got the count uh-huh. so wrong that it meant that trump won no it's just such a mess that nobody can ever really know.
1: When you say offsetting uh, errors, you mean uh, a few votes uh, were miscounted for Trump here, a few votes were miscounted for tr- for Biden there. That there exactly. was no uh, pr- purpose, no evidence of a, a, a purposeful corruption of for or against of one the candidate. Outcome. The outcome,
0: correct, right. correct. It looks like that there was purposeful leaving numbers off the schedule or adding too many in. Uh, Why? Um. It's hard to know. I mean, we we um, when we tried to take deposition of um, Gabe Sterling, mm-hmm. we could not get to the bottom of that. It was really he just shrugged it all off as human error, human error. He did not he did not try to tell us the same thing he tried to tell the um, uh, Congress uh-huh. yesterday. He he did not try to say, oh, it's only off by a little bit. We took him through the numbers, and he just basically shrugged and said, well, we don't really investigate that, and yeah, we've had these reports, and um, yeah, well, it's all human error. He was willing to say that the audit had to be human error, and the machines had to be right. How many years have we heard, Brad, across the nation about machines have to be right?
1: Well, (laughs) yeah, what we hear is that election (laughs) officials tend to... Uh, They want, you know, they were the ones, uh, particularly here with Raffensperger, who specifically was the one who chose this voting system uh, himself, you know, they want to back up their own system. Yes, the system that I have works. Uh, and it sounds like through these processes, they were trying to make the case that their original count was accurate, whether it was or wasn't, and uh-huh. this hand audit that they often refer to uh, was actually not done in public. It's not the type of audit you have called Correct. for that we have seen elsewhere where, you know, the uh, public can see the results as they happen. We sort of Correct. saw the, uh, saw them publicly counting, but nobody was allowed to track the numbers that they were counting. They were sent into a central system that only the secretary of state saw so we can't take much from that can we
0: we cannot and then when the numbers were spit out Mm -hmm. when we finally got all the documentation that supposedly supported those numbers it didn't support those numbers um and you know when we talk about offsetting errors it was thousands of votes going and you know we were saved if you will by the law of offsetting errors working Mm -hmm. but we cannot continue to try to elect the most powerful person in the world and hope that the law of offsetting errors works.
1: To us. be clear, uh, the House January 6th committee chair, Benny Thompson, said that there was no evidence of fraud that could have overturned the election results nationally in the Electoral College. But after more than a year and a half, uh, with all of these concerns you do have about the uh, the post-election uh, audit and the recount, is there any evidence that you have discovered during your lawsuit against Raffensperger, looking at vote-by-vote, precinct-by-precinct, all of this, is there evidence to demonstrate that fraud might have overturned the election in Georgia, where Biden won by just over 11,000 votes?
0: Nothing that we have seen, Brett. Um, at at all, nothing we have seen it, you know, it looks like on the surface, um, that it is a lot of sloppiness, but certainly that should not have been allowed. And again, we've not seen anything that would suggest that, um, that somehow Biden benefited by all of this and and Trump was, was damaged by it. Hmm. But my bigger point here is that we as a society cannot afford to have leaders, whether it's a Trump or a Raffensperger, just announcing to us right. what they want the vote tallies to be without the evidence that is available to be examined by the press and the public.
1: Right. And I I would underscore, it does not have to be this way. It does not have to be done the way that uh, Raffensperger did it. We've seen, you know, statewide uh, recounts that were far closer, by the way, for example, back in 2008 between Al Franken and and Senator Coleman, uh, and that that count... Everybody saw it. Everybody, there was cameras everywhere. Everyone could follow it, uh, you know, day by day, hour by hour, uh, how Mm -hmm. the tally was going. So it does not have to be done in secret the way Raffensperger did it. Marilyn, uh, as we were chatting offline uh, prior to uh, Raffensperger's testimony on Tuesday, you told me that, uh, yes, he did the right thing in, uh, you know, not acquiescing to Trump, but he did so for the wrong reasons. Can you expand on that uh, just a little bit?
0: Sure. Um, he, He did so, I believe, not because he's some great friend of democracy. We know better than that. He was... Not defending the election He was defending his voting system He knew that the voting system Could not withstand much scrutiny Mm. And um, Let let me pose a question To you Brad Think about what if He had conducted the election The way you're talking about the 2008 Norm Coleman Mm -hmm. Al Franken election was conducted Mm -hmm. With that kind of transparency Would Georgia have turned Into the tinderbox that it did uh, no. Georgia became such a tinderbox. I believe it was it was part of what inflamed January 6th.
1: Mhm. Yeah, which is what I have been, uh, you know, I've been describing what we're going through now as sort of my worst nightmare that I've been warning against for so many years. That secret uh, vote counting, essentially, secret voting and secret counting systems will lead to exactly this moment. Everything has to be public. Voting, the act of voting itself, is secret, a secret ballot, but everything else must be public so that even in elections that aren't gamed, uh, you know, you're not handing a silver pl- on a silver platter uh, to the loser, you know, the notion, the idea that they can claim that something was stolen. You have to be able to prove it. You have to be able to show your work in order for democracy, I think, to survive here.
0: Uh, uh, t- yeah. Agreed. And um, I think that, well, South Carolina's Constitution says it best. That ballots must be voted in secret, but never counted in secret. And I think that, that that is where Raffensperger failed. And just imagine if, while we know that for many of the Trump supporters, nothing would have satisfied them, mm-hmm. but imagine a process that was much more like the Minnesota Frank and yep. Coleman process it would have taken the wind out of so many people's sails mm-hmm. yeah. that were saying, well, this is corrupt. And and interestingly, Trump had the ability to have just that kind of hand count, and he chose not to. He, ha- he let the um, machine count happen.
1: Oh, he could have done a hand count? With, uh, he could have requested? done a hand
0: count. It would have taken uh. an easy court order. I don't know of anybody who has tried to get one who has not gotten one in recent years. Certainly, the president of the United States could have gotten it yep. with a brand new voting system, and yep. certainly the Republicans, such as Raffensperger, would have um, would have supported that in it's court. It's
1: somewhat telling that he didn't ask for that. It Uh, is, and it's
0: telling that that Raffensperger didn't suggest it.
1: Uh, Marilyn, uh, speaking of uh, doing things in secret here, uh, I want to make sure we have a few minutes for uh, this Coffee County business. You wrote at Medium this week, and I'll just uh, read your summary here, Uh, like the well-known incidents of Trump election deniers illegally accessing voting software in Colorado and Michigan, a similar breach allegedly occurred in Georgia, but... Raffensberger will not talk about that. He and Deputy Gabe Sterling appear to be engaged in cover up efforts to avoid having the damning facts fully surface in this midterm election year. As The Washington Post and Daily Beast recently reported, Trump aligned vigilante groups. Claimed that they accessed and copied Georgia's election software in Coffee County, Georgia, similar to the incidents in Michigan and Colorado, the uh, last of which, by the way, has led to criminal indictments of Mesa County, Colorado's Republican county clerk, Tina Peters. Uh, you write if Coffee County rings a bell, it's because voting system issues in Coffee County were referenced in the infamous proposed executive orders that Trump's team had drafted to justify seizing voting machines after the 2020 election. The alleged breach in coffee occurred January 7, just a day after the attempted insurrection, facilitated by local election officials and GOP officials who showed their willingness to go to great lengths at their own legal peril to cast doubt on the certified results. But what hasn't been reported, you note, is Raffensperger's effort to avoid any meaningful investigation that would expose the alarming vulnerabilities, again of Georgia's electronic voting system. Now, just to remind folks, Marilyn, you first brought this matter to our attention and to the corporate media's attention after a bizarre phone call that you personally received and were smart enough to record uh, from one of the folks who said that they were behind the theft, admitted it, of the uh, Coffee County software. Uh, Let me just play a, a short clip of that call from Atlanta bail bondsman Scott Hall, um, to you in, I think, March of last year. Correct. You know, I'm the guy that chartered the jet to go down to Coffee
3: County to have them inspect all of those computers. I went down there, we scanned every freaking ballot. You know, the same people that went up to Michigan, okay, and did all that forensic stuff on the computers, and they sent their team down to Coffee County, Georgia, and they scanned all the equipment, imaged all the hard drives, and scanned every single ballot.
0: They imaged the hard drives? Yes. How in the world did you get permission to do that?
3: We basically had the entire elections committee there. Okay. And they said, we give you permission. Go for it.
1: So, uh, this is a huge deal, uh, Marilyn. You write a Medium that the voting system software in Coffee County was then seized by the Secretary of State's office in June of 21. That would be about six months after this breach described by Scott Hall in that okay. phone call. Uh, for reasons that are undocumented and inadequately explained by Raffensberger's office, you further note all Coffee County emails and records concerning the server and the seizure. Uh, that took place after the breach, have been inexplicably destroyed. Email records destroyed? So all what's going the, on here?
0: All of the election records from, from all of 2020, the primary, the general, all been, of those have been taken away, and all of the email records of the election department have completely been destroyed, No, which is su- suspicious in itself. Uh-huh. And the um, there is no documentation at all about the um, Secretary of State's investigation that apparently maybe took place. It's unclear as to what kind of investigation, if any, took place. There is no paperwork that shows why or how they removed the server and took it to their office back a year ago now. And they claim that, well, somebody had changed the password, and although they've had it for a year, they've not been able to defeat the password and do any type of forensic analysis on it.
1: Now, Gabe Sterling uh, was deposed as part of your lawsuit. He, he says the Secretary of State's office is investigating. But beyond his claim there, have you been able to find any evidence that an actual investigation has been ongoing by Raffensberger's office?
0: Um. No, we have not, although they have recently represented to the court that they do have an ongoing investigation. Um, but as of Friday, they had still not told Coffee County about it. I've been doing public records requests every week with Coffee County, and they say they have heard nothing about any type of investigation on their on their server, this, or about the access to the server.
1: And it's been a year and a half since this uh, alleged breach uh, occurred. It's been just over a year, I guess, since the Secretary of State's office apparently knew about it, because they went in and, and took the server that had been breached. They took it away.
0: Well, they claim they didn't know about it. They claimed they were taking it because somebody had changed the password, but this is all awfully hard to put together.
4: Um, yeah.
0: And um, it doesn't make very much sense at all. It, uh, even the court had asked for them to produce a record showing their communications with the Coffee County Board, and they've been unable to do that. And so, why would, why would Raffensperger do that? Is what everybody asked
1: me. Yeah, why? Again,
0: we go back to he needs to defend this system more than he wants to defend democracy. He has even said that Alex Halderman, you know, lives in, you know, Halderman's report, of course, talking about the vulnerabilities of the system. You're an expert
1: expert in in your lawsuit who's found vulnerabilities in the systems. He says, Halderman is what?
0: It's not in the real world Uh. because no one has that same kind of access, that he had extended access. He had a few weeks where he could experiment with the system. He says, that's not real world. This is what Raffensperger had said and now we see it is real world he has even said yes if somebody has extended access they can manipulate the results well we have now demonstrated we believe that somebody some bad actors have had quite extended access
1: it, it, it well yeah because they were able to uh take all the time they wanted with this as they admitted on that phone call uh... and and just a reminder people you know in colorado Uh, The woman who led a similar breach, uh, who happens to be an election official,
0: Tina Peters. Tina
1: Peters, she's facing criminal charges for what these people did in Georgia, which, you know, Gabe Sterling seems to admit he knows about, sort of, and yet there doesn't even seem to be a record of any investigation by the Secretary of State himself. That's extraordinary. And it seems like it's, you know, he's walking this line where he, you know, he still wants to remain, you know, he stood up to Donald Trump, but he still wants to remain friendly with the MAGA folks because he's on the ballot himself as the nominee for the Republicans for secretary of state this November.
0: Right. And I will tell you, because I'm experiencing it, the MAGA folks are really angry about the Coffey County thing being exposed. They think it is it is hurting their friends. And so I can imagine that he did not want to, to um, make the MAGA folks mad <laughs> by exposing the fact that these were Trump allies who came in and stole the software for the entire state, not just for Coffee County. Yep. Um, and I'm sure he didn't want that. But as well, it collapses all of his defenses in our case, Brad, because, you know, his defense is... Not that the system doesn't have any vulnerabilities. His defense is, look, you can't get to those vulnerabilities because the software is in trusted insider election official hands. Not anymore. (laughs) Not anymore.
1: (laughs) So is it fair to call this uh, a a cover-up by the Secretary of State's office?
0: It's hard to know yet, but, you know, some would say that that is what it looks like. Well, Because um, he certainly has not been forthcoming about any type of investigation um at a minimum uh since they since late february they say they claim that in sterling's deposition was the first time when we played this tape from scott hall they say that it is the first time they had heard of this which mm-hmm. doesn't make any sense compared to the fact that they had they had seized the server yeah. before uh- they say it was the first time they heard of it and they told the judge in our case that right after that February deposition, February this year, they opened an investigation. But still, as of last week... Coffee County's heard nothing about that investigation.
1: No evidence of the investigation. Well, they did not count on Marilyn Marks uh, tenaciously uh, fighting uh, to keep this, uh, you know, to, to bring this to light. I'm glad Washington Post, Daily Beast, AP have been reporting on it. Shame on the Atlanta Journal Constitution for not doing so. Uh, But glad you're staying on the case, Marilyn. Uh, I'm running way late here, but before I let you go, on Tuesday, uh, Georgia State Rep. B. Nguyen defeated uh, State Rep. D.D. Dawkins-Hagler in the uh, Democratic primary to run against Brad Raffensperger in November. Uh, right. Wynn was endorsed by a bunch of national and state Democrats, including gubernatorial candidate Stacey Abrams. Uh, is she any good, and does she have any chance of defeating Raffensperger uh, this November in Georgia?
0: Um, well, you will love to hear this. She is a supporter of handmarked paper ballots and audits. And she began to, in the, particularly in the last part of her campaign, was the first thing she would come out with in her introduction she would say, I am for hand-marked paper ballots and audits. <laughs> so we were really proud of that, and we have been keeping her up to speed with what's going on, mm-hmm. as we will any, you know, um, we, we, we tried to reach out to all the candidates to make sure they know what's going on
2: mm-hmm.
0: with this, and um, I think that the debates, when she and Raffensperger begin to debate... Given the kind of information that we have covered on this interview today, Brad, yeah, yeah. isn't that going to make for interesting debate fodder?
1: Yeah, you know, and ironically, uh, if Raffensberger just came out himself for hand-marked paper ballots, he'd probably get a whole bunch of folks uh, voting for him from the right, from the MAGA crew, who are sick and tired of these, uh, these secret vote-counting systems and, and vote-casting systems. Marilyn Marks, uh, keep up your tenacious fight. She is, of course, the longtime uh, executive director and founder of the Coalition for Good Governance. You can find their work, coalitionforgoodgovernance.org, where you can support them as well. You can also follow her on the Twitters. She's got some great threads on all of this. Marilyn R. Marks, the number one. Marilyn R. Marks, one. Uh, and, of course, uh, Coalition for Good Governance is on Twitter as well. Marilyn, always great speaking with you. I look forward to the next update in these in the continuing saga.
0: <laughs> Me too, Brad, so much.
1: Thank you. Okay, uh, we had to push off Green News Report yesterday. <laughs> yes,
2: we're not pushing it off today. <laughs> we cannot
1: do that again. Quick break, and we're back <laughs> with the Green News Report and Desi Doyen right after this. On the Bradcast, I'm Brad Friedman. <laughs> So, I don't know about you, Desi Doyan, but my brain is all screwed up from these (laughs) hearings. My timing, my days are are just all amiss. Yes. We had to uh, push our yesterday's Green News report off until today for our special coverage of the House hearings. Uh, I guess we're going to have to do the same thing again tomorrow because of the House hearings.
2: Yeah, it'll all be okay. It'll all still be there.
1: Which I think, by the way, all the disastrous climate (laughs) will still be there. Yeah. Uh, And I think the next hearing is the final one for the committee, at least until July. Okay. Is that what you've heard as well? Yes. So there's that. Whatever that means, maybe we can get back on schedule with the Green News Report as we try to catch up today with our latest... GNR.
0: The mercury is rising all across Western Europe.
2: Extreme heat in Europe smashes records, sparks wildfires, and water rationing severe U.S. heat wave killed thousands of cattle. Plus...
1: Madness is coming and all we can do is try to prepare for it as best we can.
2: Right-wing Supreme Court majority poised to hand down the most consequential environmental ruling in decades.
1: All of those consequences and more straight ahead from Bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment.
2: The things that we're starting to see now become much worse and we get extremes that we haven't even seen before
1: it's gonna get worse much worse who asked you this is your green news report I'm
2: gonna soak up the sun.
1: okay Tessie doyan sweltering heat in europe here in the u.s cattle dying people dying This is not good.
2: No, it most definitely is not, and it is very unusual. In Europe, an historic heat wave is blanketing Europe from London to the Mediterranean with temperatures 20 to 30 degrees above normal, shattering all-time temperature records for the month of June and sparking wildfires in Spain, Germany, and France. Southern France hit a record high of 110 degrees Fahrenheit. Wow. The extreme heat is impacting electricity generation in southern France, where several nuclear plants were already offline after widespread corrosion problems were discovered in critical systems. France 24 reports that other nuclear plants have also been forced to curtail output because rivers that are used to cool the nuclear reactors are warming earlier and faster than normal.
1: So the river water is too hot to cool the nuclear power plant. Yes. Not good.
2: In Italy, the heat and historic drought have triggered a water crisis. Parts of northern Italy have seen no rain for more than three months, wilting crops and reducing output from hydroelectric dams. But worse, Italy's largest river, the legendary Po River, is literally drying up. Towns in the north have begun water rationing. Mm. But a bit of better news, Europe also set new records for solar power production. In Germany, solar supplied more than 60% of its electricity in the height of the heat wave.
1: So there's that.
2: It's the opposite situation in India and Bangladesh, where army troops have been called out to rescue thousands of people stranded by deadly floods. An unusually intense monsoon dumped more than three feet of rain in 24 hours.
1: Three feet of rain in 24 hours?
2: Yes. Nearly 120 people are confirmed killed by floods and landslides as we go to air. Millions of homes are underwater. And this latest round of catastrophic flooding comes less than a a month after extreme rainfall submerged entire towns. Studies show that climate change increases the odds of extreme weather events like droughts and deluges. Climate scientists warn that the unusually early arrival of extreme heat is a sign of what is to come with man-made climate change, with temperatures from August moving up the calendar to June.
1: With what is to come from man-made climate change, I would say it's already here.
2: Here in the U.S., officials in Kansas say the sudden onset of intense heat last week killed at least 2,000 cattle. In southern Arizona, firefighters have saved the precious telescopes at the Kitt Peak National Observatory from the massive Contreras fire. It's just one of several major fires fueled by the excessive heat and dry conditions in the southwest. In other news, the American Medical Association has issued a new statement declaring climate change a public health crisis that, quote, threatens the health and well-being of all people. Good. The new policy specifically mobilizes the AMA to advocate for policies that limit global warming to no more than 1.5 degrees Celsius and will help the U.S. cut emissions to reach carbon neutrality by 2050. And finally, a heads up. The right-wing U.S. Supreme Court majority is poised to hand down what could be an incredibly consequential environmental ruling. West Virginia versus EPA is a lawsuit brought by Republican attorneys general over a coal pollution rule that never went into effect. It is a pretext in Republicans' years-long scheme to get the court to strip the EPA of authority to regulate greenhouse gas emissions. In 2008, the court ruled that the EPA can and must regulate climate pollution, but the new right-wing supermajority may break precedent with long-reaching consequences that could curtail all future pollution regulations. Slate court reporter Mark Joseph Stern on a recent broadcast warned,
1: how could it possibly be that the Supreme Court will rule on a regulation that does not yet exist, that may in fact never exist?
0: And the answer is that the usual rules about actually taking a live controversy do not seem to apply when the conservative supermajority really wants to
1: kneecap the Biden administration's regulatory agenda. Right. Nothing has changed except the makeup of the corrupted, stolen and packed U.S. Supreme Court. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find, follow, and share us planetwide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report.
2: Yes, uh, so buckle up for whatever the Supreme Court is about to hand down to all of us. It could uh, affect, you know, the future of humanity.
1: You know, now that I've heard that uh, Green News report and I'm reminded what we covered, I kind of wish we had put it off yet another day.
2: I know, I know. It's uh, it's not great news, but hey, listen, elections have consequences, so all you can do is keep moving
1: forward. Speaking of which, uh, next Tuesday, a whole bunch of elections in another Super-ish Tuesday in Illinois, Colorado, Oklahoma, Utah, New York. At least for the governor and state assembly, apparently the congressional elections have been moved down to uh, August because of their their fights over the uh, redistricting Redistricting, in New York. Yeah, Mississippi will have runoff. South Carolina will have runoff. So if you live in one of those states out there, get voting.
2: Yes, because it really does matter who is in charge, especially of your state legislature, because they'll have a hand in deciding whether or not to uh, certify electors in 2024.
1: Oh, there's that, too. All right. Anything else before we get the hell out of here? (laughs) That's
2: plenty. All
1: right. That is plenty. Uh, Thank you very much, Desi Doyen, our producer. Thanks to my guest today, Marilyn Marks of the Coalition for Good Governance. And to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, They're all available for free anytime, day or night, going back years and years at bradblog.com. That is made possible by you kind folks who stop by bradblog.com slash donate to help support our work. If you're one of those people who have been putting it off uh, to support us at some point soon, now it's now. Now is soon. (laughs) Now's a good time. That's right. Uh, That's bradblog.com slash donate. We could really use your support. Drop me email if you like. I'm Bradcast at Bradblog.com. I read them all, answer most. And you can also find me on the Twitters and the Bradcat and the uh, Facebooks at the Brad Blog. That's it. See you there. All of the above. Until we see you here next time, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.